Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. I do all of this full time and every dollar you give helps keep all of it going. From the beginning of June until the end of August, I will be taking a cross-Canada history tour. I'm going to be visiting various rural historical attractions, all of the graves of the Prime Ministers, except for R.B. Bennett, because he is buried in England, and I'm going to be going from coast to coast to coast, the Atlantic, the Pacific, and the Arctic, over the course of the 90 days. This is going to be a bare-bones trip for me, sleeping in tents, and just enjoying the history and nature of Canada. If you'd like, you can help support this trip by going to my GoFundMe page. I'll put the link in my show notes. Don't forget, I have two other podcasts out there, Pucks and Cups, and From John to Justin, available on all podcast platforms. This episode is sponsored by the Town of Spiritwood. Today I'm looking at the community of Spiritwood in Saskatchewan. It's a small community with a great history, and as usual, I won't be going through a chronological look of the history, but rather various aspects of the history that are interesting and you can check out. So let's begin. Indigenous History The Indigenous have lived in the area of Spearwood for thousands of years, arriving as the glaciers began to disappear 10,000 years ago. The Cree and Blackfoot would move through the area, following the seasons and the bison herds that made it up to the area until they were eventually hunted to near extinction by Canadians and Americans. Today, the Wichican Lake Indigenous Reserve is found just north of Spearwood, Originally, the reserve was much larger and encompassed the area of Spearwood, and old iron stakes have been found in Spearwood with IR stamped on them to identify the outer limits of the reserve. Today, the reserve occupies approximately 4,000 acres, and Spearwood sits on Treaty 6 land. The Founding of the Community Like many communities in the prairies, the name for Spiritwood would come from another place, specifically Spiritwood, North Dakota. As for how that community received its name, it seems to be a tragic story of a woman who drowned in a nearby lake and her spirit is said to wander the wooded areas nearby. The name was suggested by Robert Dummond, who had come from Spiritwood, North Dakota. The first settlers to the area were the Lafleurs, 
which consisted of a father and four sons who settled near the highway around 1910. Soon after, settlement began to increase, but at a relatively slow pace. In 1912, the first post office in the area was opened, and at the time, the chief industry for the small community was grain growing and the raising of livestock. The community would grow slowly over the course of the next decade and a half, but in 1929, the community started to boom thanks to the arrival of the Canadian National Railway. Elmer Thompson had the honour of driving in the last spike for the railroad, and quickly, Spiritwood began to boom. With the arrival of the railroad, the community quickly began to see its size increase, and at its peak, the railroad was making three trips to Prince Albert and back, with residents able to go to the city and back in the same day. On October 1, 1935, the village of Spiritwood was incorporated, with the first bylaw being the creation and purchase of a village seal. The village also purchased a Welcome to Spiritwood sign for $15, and the first overseer for the community would be L. Permac. In 1942, the first light plant was purchased for the community, which consisted of a 14-horsepower diesel engine. On its first Saturday, the engine powered the lights in the community, but soon became a headache and was in need of constant repair. On July 17, 1947, Premier Tommy Douglas, later to be named the greatest Canadian in history, would cut the ribbon on the new 20-bed Spiritwood Union Hospital. This hospital was years in the making, beginning in 1944 when the Board of Trade took up the cause of getting a new hospital operating. The need for a new hospital was evident by the fact that 662 patients had been admitted to the 14-bed hospital over the past year, and 3,000 patient days had been spent in the first year alone. Doctors had to work under trying conditions, but thanks to the efforts of the community, hard work, and cooperation, a new hospital was built for Spiritwood. On September 6, 1965, Spiritwood became a town and a special ceremony was held in the community. Several dignitaries came out, including the MP and the MLA for the area, and in the parade to celebrate the big event, a thousand people came out to line Main Street and see the 35 floats go by. The first mayor for the community was Jay Villay, who served until 1967. The 1946 Fire Fire is no laughing matter today nor decades ago. For many communities, a fire was a terrible danger that could wipe out businesses off the map. While some communities only had small fires and others had larger fires, Spiritwood did not escape the wrath of the flames. It was on November 19, 1946 when a fire destroyed six buildings in the downtown. Gone were the post office and a cafe, a garage, a doctor's office, a butcher and a lumberyard. Six months later, the power plant was destroyed in a fire. To combat this danger, town council ordered that paintless frame buildings in the community be replaced with fireproof streamlined buildings. Thanks to this decision, many of the buildings from that time still stand to this day. By August of 1947, many of the businesses that had been destroyed in a fire were back up and running with beautiful new buildings for the residents to visit. The 1977 Fire the 1946 fire was not the only fire to threaten the community. On May 7, 1977, at 2.30 a.m., three of the four elevators in the town were completely destroyed by fire. At the time, the elevators were full of grain, 
and the fire quickly spread to the stockyards and holding pens, destroying those structures and most of the elevator's records, fertilizer, and agricultural chemical. The fire didn't stop there, though, as high winds caused many to not hear the siren. When the fire brigade was notified, they quickly rushed to deal with the fire. The heat was so intense from the fire that the firemen were unable to get close enough to be effective. Flames were rising 100 feet in the air, and as much as 45 kilometers away, flames could be seen. Residents on the west side of town were told to be ready to evacuate their homes at any time as sparks were flying through the town. Across the highway from the burning elevators, one home caught fire, and while the home was saved, it suffered extensive damage. Throughout the town, residents used garden hoses to wet down houses, and the fire was so strong, according to one firefighter, a sheet of sparks four kilometers long extended out from the fire. But the community quickly rallied, with the co-op store becoming the base of operations, and people preparing breakfasts for the firefighters and providing hot coffee. Finally, at 7.30 a.m., the fire was out. Roughly 50% of the grain could be salvaged, thankfully, but damages were pegged at $2 million, or $8.5 million today. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms, and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call 1-866-285-2253. The Russian Satellite We don't often think about things falling from the sky, except for meteors, and we certainly don't think a piece of a satellite is going to land in the yard. But that is exactly what happened in 1981, when a fuel tank off a Russian satellite survived re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere and landed on the farm of Gary Robinson near Spiritwood. At first, the family, which consisted of Joan and Gary Robinson and their son Marty, did not know what the debris was. They'd found it while checking the field and came across the object. It would take the Department of National Defense analyzing the piece and determining that it was an 11-inch sphere that used to be part of a satellite but had amazingly survived re-entry. Today, that piece sits at the Spiritwood Museum. The Spiritwood Arm Wrestling Club I've looked at a lot of local histories during my time making podcasts, and I can honestly say that I've never come across a community that not only had an arm wrestling club, but a successful one at that. It was in March 1978 when the club was formed after Frank Shira 
had competed in Prince Albert at the first Saskatchewan arm wrestling tournament. An organizational meeting was held and several people turned out. And while it started small, the club grew to 28 paid members from Alberta and Saskatchewan. And thanks to the success of the Spiritwood Club, several other clubs would begin to appear across the province. In 1980, the Spiritwood Arm Wrestling Club was voted the most active club in Canada, and Frank received the Rookie Promoter of the Year Award. The club would win several awards and provincial titles, and five of its members would go on to compete in Reno, Nevada at the Can-Am Tournament in June of 1983. Soon after, on November 19th of that year, the club hosted the largest cash tournament in Canada. The Spiritwood Museum Located in a renovated farmhouse, the Spiritwood Museum is a unique museum when it comes to small-town museums. The museum consists of three rooms that are designed to look like a home from the era of 1930 to 1955. In the remaining rooms, artifacts from the social, business, and family life of the community are found. The museum also showcases the agricultural implements used by early residents decades ago, including vintage machinery. There's also an extensive showcase of indigenous artifacts from the area, long before the arrival of Canadians and Europeans. There's also a veterinarian display, shop display, shoemaking, and watch display, and a fire truck from the early days of the community. A country one-room school is also on the site, as is the Trinity Bissell United Church, which was originally built in 1936 in Mildred, Saskatchewan. The Bissell Church is actually a unique place as it was built by Mr. Bissell, who had invented and patented a plow, allowing him to have the money to build the church. And it would be moved into Spiritwood in 1965, and its interior remains the same as it was when it was moved into the community. The church is also one of only six of its type still existing in Canada. The Timberland School Located near Spiritwood, the Timberland School was built in 1936 by local residents when the need for a school in the community centre became apparent. As the only community structure around, it also served as the main gathering place for residents of the district, and it would operate until 1957 when it was closed. After its closure, the school was purchased by the community and turned into a community centre. The structure still stands to this day and serves as an example of the type of school used by many districts in the prairies where all the students were taught in one large room. Within the school today you can see the flagpole, the Timberland School number 5080 over the entrance, and the chalkboards on the wall where students learned history, math, English, and more over the course of 20 years. On January 10, 1995, the school became a municipal heritage property. The Mirror Lake School Another school near to Spiritwood is Mirror Lake, which also dates to 1936 when it opened as a one-room schoolhouse. The decision to organize a school district actually came in 1934 during a meeting at the home of W.B. Wasden. In order to fund the building of the school, ratepayers were charged $6 per quarter in their assessment. If they could not pay, they needed to provide manual labor for the construction or 500 feet of lumber. In the school, the 45 desks were made by hand by a local resident, and the first teacher would be Mary Keith supervising 45 students aged 5 to 16, half of whom have never attended school before. 
On the day the school opened, though, tragedy struck the district when a man who was digging a well was being lowered into the well by rope when it suddenly went slack. Efforts were made to find the man, but by the time they did, he was dead. And it was believed that gas in the well had overcome him. Like Timberland, it continued to operate until 1957, when it was closed due to following enrollment, with Jack Marion serving as the final teacher. During the time it was open, the school was the primary educational center for the area, and also the community center. Its Christmas concerts, meetings, and picnics were always a great time for residents to come together to meet and talk. And following the closure of the school, the local residents used the property for social functions, and they would establish a community club to oversee the property. On February 14, 1995, the school became a municipal heritage property. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at Spiritwood. And if you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can reach me through email at craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.com. And don't forget, you can support the podcast through Patreon. There are multiple tiers to choose from, all with great benefits. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month, just like all of these wonderful patrons have, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Randy McCallum, Diane Wade, Laurieanne Kirby, Gary Dolovich, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. If you want, you can find me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-E-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just go to Bairdo37. Thanks, and see you again next time.